Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello, and welcome back to Vice and Easy. We have a very interesting episode to get through today. <laughs> uh, Russell actually suggested something like a kid to like a drinking game, just something to help us, the audience, get through season four. Um, again, we just had some really good episodes. Child's Play, God's Work. These were really engaging, well-written episodes. Yeah, so uh, let's get into the ride. Also, I really want to take my time for next week's episode, which is Like a Hurricane, which was one of my favorite episodes when I was in high school. (laughs) And I think I'm able to upload the recording I have from VHS from Spike TV from, what, 2004? So I'm doing my best to get that out from 19 years ago. And I just wanted to give you guys a programming note. Um, I know that I have not been releasing episodes every week, especially in season four. It seems like season four has gone by really slowly for me. And I really want to thank you for your patience, especially with the holidays. And I have started a new job and I'm so excited. I love my job so far. And the schedule is completely different from when I was bartending. So it's just been an adjustment period. And obviously, I really want to do well in my new job. So please bear with me. I am also getting to travel for work, which is super exciting. Places like, yes, Miami. And then, um, you know, not as (laughs) it's not always going to be Miami all the time. But I'm very excited for this new chapter of my life. And I am super excited to continue with the podcast. It's just going to take a little bit to kind of get my schedule all recalibrated. And so with that, let's go from a high note to a low note, which the low note is this episode. But again, like I said, let's have fun with it. This week on Vice and Easy, we are recapping season four, episode seven, entitled Missing Hours. Per IMDb. Trudy encounters what appears to be a UFO. Or is it a secret government project? (laughs) We open the episode outside of a very cute 80s mall. Zwitek is undercover selling ice cream. We see Trudy in all yellow, which actually is her least interesting outfit this entire episode. This episode belongs to Trudy. They're kind of staking out. They're trying to find a porn dealer when... Izzy and Nogi are joking around on the stairs, dressed up in costumes, I guess, to distract people. And also, as Nogi shows us, to pickpocket people. Nuevos plantados! Space deputy! What brought you these improvisations during my surf fight? Why don't I reorient your intergalactic desirability? They do have somewhat intricate, well-fitting costumes. Like, this was definitely thought out. Again, there is not really a rhyme or reason. I guess they're just trying to distract people, and they're trying to get people to slow down so they can try to catch a look uh, a look at this porn dealer. <laughs> and he is balding with, I don't want to say a landing strip, but basically that's what it looks like on the top of his head with blue sunglasses. Um, but then there's another guy that's walking, and there's, like, two government... There's two feds in between. So you have this possible porn dealer who looks like a porn dealer. Just this regular guy and then two feds. This regular guy, though, gets super heated. Literally heated. He rips off his shirt upon seeing Noogie and Izzy freaking out in public with children around, with crowds around. 
see him jump through a storefront window. We see Trudy follow because, again, she's up on the second floor already. And she freaks out, calls Tech for backup. And then we don't really see what happens after the intro. We're at the coroner. So obviously we know what happened, unfortunately. And the coroner is saying that the cause of death was a heart attack. Trudy's like, I saw blood gushing out of his neck. I know what I saw. There's no way that could have been a heart attack. When they look at the body, it just looks kind of like a surface wound. Like you can even see in the gallery. Like it's very mild. What's going on? And Trudy is insisting. She's like, I know what I saw. I know what I saw. Theme of this episode. Then we go back to OCB where... Izzy and Noogie are rightfully cheese. They're not getting paid, even though they helped in this situation. I guess they kind of, unfortunately, escalated things. But that wasn't their fault. Who would have known this guy would have been so triggered by aliens? And then this <laughs> killed me. A thousand bucks. See, I told you you can't trust white people, man. We should have got the money up front. How you gonna trust? Didn't you see the bay of pins? You done had it. A thousand bucks and... <laughs> um, to be fair, he's not wrong. You should always get the money up front. So at OCB, as they're kicking Noogie and Izzy out, Trudy is going through Akers' info. Akers is the guy that ripped off her shirt, freaked out, and died. She couldn't find next of kin. No link, just lots of cash and peanut butter in his shopping bag. She does find a picture that he has with a houseboat on it. So she goes by herself in like this an amazing purple dress with a matching purse looking like a million dollars. When she goes to the houseboat, she sees empty jars of peanut butter aligned on the floor in a circle and a few radios look like ham CV radios. Then... Things get a little bit weird, and the graphic department goes a little crazy. <laughs> Basically, James Brown, in this episode, he is Lude along. <laughs> have his body, and they just cut out his face, but like with the indent for his hair and put Trudy's face, but it doesn't fit and it doesn't. <laughs> it is the cover of this week's episode, so you can't see it. <laughs> oh my God. I, I have gotten um, feedback that I make fun of the technology, you know, that's almost 40 years old. But these graphics are bad even for 40 years ago. Oh, man. So while Trudy is going out with James Brown, doing whatever she's doing, Akers' wife goes to OCB because she wants to talk to the officer who was with her husband when he died. So she wants to talk to Trudy. Trudy, however, is MIA, but they haven't heard from her. So they just assume that she's called in sick. Wow. See, I'm learning this whole new world of sick days. <laughs> but again, she hasn't called in sick. They're just assuming. She gets Dr. Crockett. She said that they've been about for about two years. Then drops quite a big 
truth bomb this next clip. When I woke up afterward, 12 hours were missing. I was on the ground near the car. And there was this patch where the hair had been shaved away in a little circle. And in the middle was a scab. Like they'd done something to me. And then she tells Crockett that she heard from Astrolife that her husband had been found when he freaked out and died in that accident yesterday. Interesting. Well, Crockett goes to see the body. However, the body is gone. It turns out that Trudy had signed to take out the body using kind of like a fake, I want to say it was like the Biscayne Mortuary, which does not exist. Uh, the employee who accidentally gave it away looks very cute. He's uh, muscular with cute little glasses on. Again, maybe not the not the sharpest tool in the shed right now. That's, I do give a body. But apparently Trudy had kind of faked the paperwork to get it. So this does make sense. Now, back at OCB, Gina's kind of freaking out because she's like, Trudy never takes sick days. Gina's again a yellow dress that she wore earlier. It's a dress she's worn in season four, but the shade of yellow just isn't it for her. Like Gina just wears colors so well, but this shade of yellow just doesn't pop like other colors. Now, Chris Rock is also guest starring in this episode. One of his first acting roles, such a baby. His name is Carson. And after he's kind of like eavesdropping, hearing about Trudy not showing up to work, He's a part of the Star Chaser bulletin board, which I love because this would be a precursor to like chat rooms and message boards. Trudy showed up on it. And as he's talking about what it is in the case and touching on UFOs, Trudy walks in with an extra shake and shimmy in her step singing I Feel Good by James Brown, or in this case, Loot Along. Everyone is kind of staring at her in bewilderment. Like, she just disappeared. She's in this amazing mood. She asked for a light. And, of course, Crockett does not have one since he has quit smoking. So Carson, I believe, is the one that tosses her a lighter. And she burns the picture of the houseboat, throws in the trash. And tells everybody exactly how she feels. Right? It just seems really weird. And I should also note that when Carson was talking about what he saw... Trudy and all this popping up on the Star Bulletin board, that Akers, the guy who died, was also rumored to have been one person who was taken in alien abduction years earlier. And it turns out Carson has a link to this that we'll explore later on. So it's really setting up something weird here. But they try to talk to Trudy and try to figure out what her story is because what she's saying is super bewildering to them but it's not unfamiliar to Carson here's the clip no now you're a detective a trained observer you have an eye for detail but I bet you can't tell me the name of the disco where it was located how it was decorated what you had to drink I remember it happening (sighs) the other parts are like you know parts of a dream when they get lost when you wake up this classic, classic memory displacement. Did anybody ever read the Van Donneken study? 
Maybe I was drugged. Get this guy out of here. Oh, you aren't drugged. But you're not the first this has happened to. I think you just had a close encounter of the third kind. Ooh, see, Castillo? Castillo does not want to believe. It is funny rewatching old episodes of The X Files. My boyfriend is kind of annoyed that Scully never believes, even though, like, this is the first season. But, like, that's the whole point of the show. Because otherwise, if there was all this harmony, there'd be no conflict, there'd be no resolution. So you kind of have to have that foil. And I guess Castillo is the Scully of the episode. <laughs> Sorry, Scully. <laughs> Scully's much hotter. But let's go check out Astrolife. It's not really what it seems at first. Like, we get a glimpse of it. It looks kind of like a talk show with Lou DeLong, who is James Brown. And again, famous singer, older in his age, I guess. And he's also written books, as we find out later on in the episode. So Croc and Tubbs are in the audience. And, <laughs> and listen to this. For a few hours aboard the spacecraft, we felt right at home. Honestly, it was the most fulfilling sexual experience of my life. I think it saved our marriage. What lucky, lucky people you are. To be among the chosen. Where do we sign up? Also, the interesting phrasing of being chosen is very interesting because the experience that Aker's wife had made her feel othered. And you kind of become into this select network of people. And f to have this couple sitting there saying that it saved their marriage and having Lou along, which also very funny. I was going to point this out in Vice T, but it's not really Vice T. Tom DeLong of Blink-182, everyone was making fun of him for writing all those alien books. I think he was up to seven. And then after the information was declassified during COVID... He kind of, you know, got looked at in a different light than he previously had. So I thought that was very funny that we have Luda Long and Tom DeLong, both alien aficionados who have written books. Very interesting. But Chris Rock, again, while this is all going on, remember they're supposed to be undercover, slips through the curtain <laughs> where James Brown is sitting. <laughs> and then, like, not really slyly walks up to Crockett and Tubbs. Sorry, I'm late. Does the word undercover mean anything to you? <laughs> to be fair, because Chris Rock's character, Carson, I believe it is, is in the follow room, so he's not used to the behavior of being undercover. So to be fair, he doesn't know. Then also, this guy in glasses flashes a red laser at Lou DeLong's face, basically to get him to wrap up the interview, which I thought was very interesting. And then Crockett and Tubbs walk over to talk to him. First off, James Brown, I thought, was somewhat taller. He does not seem tall at all. Number two, he still looks great. I'm not sure if that's his real hair or not. I really want to say yes, because it looks so thick and healthy and shiny. And he was born in the 30s, so he would have been around 50 in this episode. Could go either way, but it doesn't look like a toupee. Also, his pants are very tight. <laughs> but they want to talk to him to see whether or not he actually had met Trudy, if he actually had gone to the discotheque with her. He does respond that, you know, he has met a lot of ladies in his life, but yesterday he 
was home alone. He was on the couch. So, again, they're still trying to get more information. They're really curious about what's going on. And furthermore, they want to know why he's writing this scam. And this is where Tubbs pulls out his badge. This is when he starts to be a little bit more open with how he feels. Also, trigger warning for sexual assault. She's been through it. Been through it. You mean you took a ride? I've been a lot of places. Rockstar, revivalist. And now I can't say exactly what did happen. But personally, I thought it was more like being raped. And I, I just don't, I don't recommend it. Wow, this is just all I'll say. And they're going to take him to meet someone again for the first time. That someone being Trudy, who is with Gina at the time. They bring in Lou and <laughs> she just goes, but you're old. And even worse, this is his response. I have listened to this clip six times and I have no idea what the hell he's saying. But you're old. Well, it worked on my photos a little bit, but after all, it, don't everyone? No. That's not you or him. Oh, uh, one more time. Well, it worked on my photos a little bit, but after all, it, don't everyone? Okay, so it's like something to like, well, I've been working my form a little bit. Like maybe I've been working on my form a little bit. I have been losing my form a little bit. Doesn't everyone, but like, <laughs> that clip is just says, just saved us. What the hell is he saying? <laughs> okay, but so she explains like, look, we went to the disco. You played I Feel Good For Me on the piano. You came back to my place and you signed the record that I've had since I was 13 years old. She looks at the record, tries to find the signature. <sighs> She's upset. She can't find it. And, oh, man, I do feel bad for her. I'm also very surprised that they were able to get him to cooperate so easily just to have him go to this random woman's house. And But I guess, you know, with the afterlife, there is that connection. If this is what he's preaching, he better practice it. And then aside from that, it's that he has a similar graphic experience that Trudy has. With kind of like the weird purple light and the static images um, and the face cutouts. So what's going on? Since he's already alluded to the fact that he has been through it, that he has been abducted, he has had a close encounter with a third kind. This is interesting. Is this a kinship? Is this something that they share now? Well, let's get back to OCB. Once again, the uh, negative Nancy of the group, Castillo... Still doesn't want to hear it. When he tries to get the address for the houseboat that Trudy went to, well, she doesn't have the address of it. Then how about the dispatcher? Oh, the dispatcher doesn't have a record of it. Oh, how about the officers that were sent to the address to find the body? Oh, no, they were having donuts with Mamie Van Doren at the time. Like, I can understand why Castillo is getting so frustrated because it just seems like buffoonery is going on. (laughs) Until Carson pops in with a very good point. Let's try Rona Akers. Maybe she knows about her husband's houseboat. 
His vision's very narrow, but also clear. Good job, Carson. That's a very good idea. So Crockett and Tubbs are able to track her down to this very cute, well, I'll say the sign is very cute at the Tropics Motel. So when Crockett and Tubbs pull up, they're right by a payphone. The sign says, vacancy. After they really pull up, the sign switches to no vacancy and then no lights up. Interesting. Crockett kind of says something off the cuff like, oh, they know I'm here. They're going to go talk to Aker's wife when they see her getting dragged out of the room by two goons. Hired goons. The goons drag her out to their car. Crockett tries to start the Testarossa. It's not working. The car isn't starting. Then when they get out of the car, a blue light, like I mean a blindingly blue light, flashes down on them from above, stopping them in their tracks. They can't see anything. And you can see in the picture that it's super bright, like it's blinding. What's going on? So all that happens, Tubbs is at the payphone reporting what happened when, of course, not only does the Testarossa turn on again, the vacancy flips back to just vacancy. The no that was lit up a couple minutes ago just went out again. Where could she have gone? They go to the room. There's no sign of fourth century. They have no idea what's going on. Again, now Crockett is a little bit more hesitant to believe than Tubbs. But, yeah, where is this all leading to? He's a moon lizard. Rona's gone and he knew we wanted her. How much do we know about Carson, huh? Okay, but before I check him for a zipper up the back, I'm going to pull his jacket. I'm owed a couple of favors in personnel. And Rona? Put down an APB on the car. What else can we do? Find out where that thing went down? It's tied in, Sonny. It didn't just fly over when it did by chance. I am not going to go look for little green men with you. Suppose we find some. Well, then you can introduce me. But stick to the facts. Were the ones we saw green? Nay, nay, I say. Oh, it seems like Crockett is actually getting a little bit less skeptical as time goes on. Let's check in with Trudy. She is fast asleep, sitting up as she fell asleep, reading Naturally, Missing Hours, The Truth About Flying Saucers by Lou DeLong. I'm going to pick a little bone here that the book cover is the truth about flying saucers, but there's not a flying saucer on the cover. Yeah. Right? That's, I don't know. (laughs) Don't you want to? showcase the thing you're writing about but I digress now this music is blasting blasting and we see Gina get up and like hit the radio multiple times to try to get it to stop That song, by the way, is Paint the Road by Adrian Ballou. And so as she's already, like, kind of feeling, like, extra on edge, this song that she couldn't turn off, like, it, I get it. I would also be freaked out if I had to, like, basically smash my radio to turn it off. I would have thought that there was something else at play or it was coming from somewhere else. I think she was thinking that it was coming from outside. And she sees someone walking outside and she gets really nervous, grabs her gun 
is about to open the door before, thankfully, Gina intervenes and pushes her out of the way and pushes the gun up because it's the paper boy. So you can see that Trudy is just not doing well. She is kind of having the lines of reality and what isn't reality blurred. And to be fair, that puts a big toll on people. And so after she had turned off the radio, she also puts an English muffin in. So as she and Gina are sitting down talking, the English muffin flies up out of the toaster. So like, I don't... I would also be scared. It's more Gina that's taken aback. It's just like all these little things kind of just adding up and just creating more anxiety. I don't blame her. And so Gina proposes that she maybe get some help. And with that, they do go to hypnotherapy together. Again, Trudy looking like a million bucks in this green dress with matching green bangles. Gina also looking really great in this gray belted suit dress that like really suits her figure, her hair, everything this episode. So as Trudy is going through the hypnosis, she's getting all the flashbacks, all the graphics I'll continue to make fun of that it's um, similar to the cuckoo clock, like the, um, I don't want to say the border of the cuckoo clock, but basically like the outside carving of the cuckoo clock without the actual face of the cuckoo clock. Um, say that five times fast. And so it's, they superimposed Trudy's smiling face as she's walking into the houseboat. And then she's less happy and then it changes to fire in the background and then she gets startled. She wakes up and again, like just still trying to make sense of it all and basically talk to him and see what's going on. Do drugs, LSD, ecstasy like that? No, I don't use that stuff. Never have. Why? Well, there were traces of oxygenated salts in your blood sample from yesterday. It's nothing to worry about. The same thing tends to trigger a reaction in standard drug tests. So will a bad head cold. Otherwise, you're in perfect health. Gina then asks her after, like, did you see the houseboat? And Trudy claims that she knows exactly where the houseboat is, and they're going to go visit her. Then Tubbs is on the phone with Switek trying to triangulate where this light could come from. He has a map and he has a ruler and he's trying to really figure out the exact space. There is a construction worker where he's at and he's going to try to butter him up and see if he can get any information out of him. There's been some crazy rumors flying about the night shift out here seeing something. I keep my eyes on the road. I'm off the clock, okay? Well, no problem. I just wanted to tuck a little extra in somebody's envelope for helping me straighten out things. They said some more old fuel drums went up again down at Pit 18. Nothing to worry about as long as OSHA doesn't find out. No crew this week. Name's Reynolds. Uh, what are you listening to? Beethoven. You ought to try Brahms. So I kept that last part in, like, after Beethoven. I thought it was, you gotta try Brown, referring to James Brown. I was like, oh, that's so meta. But I think he he said something else that I, again, I don't know if my listening is going bad. I just don't understand these references. (laughs) He might be talking about another classical musician. So, or brass. That's what I was trying to figure it out. But who knows? I will let that die. 
So I should also mention that it wasn't just that Tubbs trying to triangulate the spot. It's that there were other reported sightings of the UFO around the same time that Crockett and Tubbs, sorry, not a UFO. There were other reports of a strange light at the same time that Crockett and Tubbs saw there. So this is getting quite interesting. Gina and Trudy go to the houseboat in heels not only has someone been in to clean it up, as Trudy can see from the inside, when Gina gets to the deck, she calls her out because there's a dead woman in a bathing suit face down with a shaved patch on the back of her head. When Trudy is bending down to look at the body, it's Aker's wife. And then Gina notices that Trudy has the same spot. Freaks out. Happening to you. And this is when we cut into Chris Rock, sorry, Carson, at Astrolife, sitting down watching something. He's being escorted by the gentleman who I believe has something to do with ownership of it because he was the one that was flashing the red light laser into Luda Long's eyeballs at the same time he was hosting something, trying to get him to wrap it up. So I really enjoyed the smoke effect and I took a picture of this and it's on the gallery. I really wanted to have it be the YouTube cover art, but there wasn't anything else going on. There were just two old people in the back. But just with the laser and the smoke, beautiful effect, I gotta say. Well, let's hopefully get some answers. So Tubbs is going to what looks like a quarry to meet Ludalong. He's sitting on... Two stuffed manila envelopes together, so they form a triangle, so I guess the base is strong enough to support the weight. Kind of weird. And again, there's a dark ring around where Ludalong is sitting, and he does look very snazzy with his sunglasses on, I must say. Tubbs goes to meet him while he's sitting in the circle, confronts him at gunpoint, <laughs> Like, I think it looks pretty chill here. I don't think you need to pull a gun on him. Then a car pulls up above them, on a hill above them. And they're definitely watching to see what Tubbs is going to do. Lou tries to give him a breakdown of what's going on. I will try to kind of fill you in because, again, this is very hard to understand. All right. Let's talk about what might be happening right here. What's burn? Doesn't smell like diesel on. It's not. It's a Jacob ring. For the earthly present here, please. Jacob's ring is a term used since the landing in 54. On Jacob's ranch in New Mexico. Generic. Ship landing here. If we had a counter, we could measure the alpha scatter radioactivity. Very little. Don't worry. I've been near a few. No harm. Yeah? So what are you doing here? Did they drop you off on their way to Andromeda? I wish. I'm here to meet our sponsors. 
And using Jacob's farm instead of Roswell, putting in the 50s instead of the 40s. I thought it was very interesting. So I actually, I was recently in Roswell, New Mexico, and I was quite underwhelmed. I understand that it's just, you know, like it is like a little tourist town, but I really wanted more alien, not just statues, but information and you can't go see the site like uh the museum is actually like pretty cool i did do that i learned a lot about like the u.s government at the time and i believe it was the something 12 the fabulous 12 like the different scientists and you know what could have made Roswell appealing to aliens? Could have really been a weather balloon? Was it because of the White Sands missile testings that were sending flashes of light up into the ether, and that's where the aliens came in, and that everybody that had been a witness to Roswell is already passed on? Um, because I did hear that firsthand from someone who spoke at the museum. I told you, I was like, you know, while I'm here, I may as well. I was just a little bit underwhelmed. I could have gone a little bit more, but I understand that they're trying to advertise and bring attention to Roswell, not overall. Um, And they didn't really mention as much of what had just recently been declassified as I thought, because I kind of missed out on that. Um, a lot of my friends were really into it, but I kind of, you know, just, I don't know, there was something else going on at the time where, I don't know, something big in celebrity gossip where I just wasn't paying attention. So I would have wanted a little bit more of that. Um, don't know if I'd ever go back. It was cute. I got little stickers. I have cute stickers for a water bottle. I have cute gifts. But White Sands National Park, a million percent, I highly recommend you go. I really enjoyed Carlsbad Caverns as well. The Guadalupe Mountains were cool, but definitely my ranking would be White Sands National Park, and that is not close to Roswell at all. Then Carlsbad Caverns, which is quite close, two hours-ish, and then um, Guadalupe Mountains, which is super close to Carlsbad. So that was my little trip. I did get a lot of cute souvenirs. But I could have done some, some more aliens. But I liked that at the museum they talked about the Roswell TV show, The X-Files. It's like, okay, this is all the stuff I did. Also, I recently realized rewatching The X-Files. I was like, oh my God, I used to watch this at my grandma's house all the time. And I was like, wait, I was like eight or nine when I would go to my grandma's house for the summers because I started going to summer camp at either 10 or 11. So I was like, oh, I was just watching X-Files and Unsolved Mysteries and America's Most Wanted Unsupervised. <laughs> On Saturday nights at my grandma's house. I was like, that's... <laughs> Might have been a little too young for some of those episodes. You know, they could be a little bit brutal. Sorry, um, let's actually talk about the plot points that we just covered. So he's about to meet his sponsors. Remember, we did see the car up at the top. So this is when... And this is when Tubbs meets... The sponsors, wink, wink, is when they decide to play chicken. Tubbs wins. They roll down the cliff. However, they survive. They get out of the car. (laughs) And Tubbs cleverly says, take me to your leader. Sadly, after we cut the scene, we do not get to see a giant floating head or a green alien like I wanted. 
It is the two feds, Luda Long and Tubbs, finally talking, maybe trying to get somewhere. I feel for Tubbs in this scene because it really seems like the feds are intent on not opening that door. I'm sure an elite organized crime unit like yours has run into situations like this before. No way, Wilcox. Right hand not knowing what the left hand is doing will not work here. If you've got a track on the inside, you better put me on it. Otherwise, you're obstructing. That's our job. What? We have explicit orders to maintain the utmost security on this project. I'm sure you understand. Given the present global interest in disarmament, uh, to have our most advanced systems become mere bargaining chips is impossible. It's a government-wide concern. There's got to be better places to test than Dade County. You're kidding. All the drugs you've got dropping in here, we're just another blip on the screen. We have used other sites. Elko, Nevada? So what does this man have to do with your operation, huh? What is your interest in a bunch of fringe lunatics? <laughs> Mr. DeLong's organization has proved an invaluable source of security feedback. Who saw what, when? We got a better idea how to debunk the rumors. Time out, man. Classified flight tests do not explain the fact that people are missing. Memories are evaporating and bodies are disappearing. All par for the course. Whenever people hear the letters UFO, fantasy and speculation follow. Nothing that you've told us can't be explained as accidents, coincidence, mere human frailty. Oh, yes, it can. See, this is all actually really interesting information. And I think if I'll tell you more about the writer later on, I think if they had just really leaned in and made it a darker paranormal theme, kind of in line with Buffy and X-Files and Supernatural, where paranormal activity was happening and it would be related to a human emotion and an imbalance and something that was represented within us that's human but that also is paranormal and like the X-Files did it so well like I think they could have really knocked it out of the park and been kind of a forerunner in this because um, you know X-Files would premiere in what 1990 it says 1993 but then we keep watching the season this is 1996 I think I want to say it was like early 90s I uh, like to point out whatever it's filmed in Vancouver. Not that I'm super familiar with Vancouver, but I can see like a Royal Bank of Canada logo in the background. I'm like, oh, yeah, you want to see what they shot it from this angle? So it's kind of obscure. <laughs> oh, my God. Speaking of Reacher, which I was also catching up on, they'll just blur out the background. You'll see that a lot. Like if two characters are talking, you'll see the background kind of blurred and... Then when they're using Toronto to be the background of another city like Boston, I'll see the storefront for my Roti Palace. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like they just selectively blur things. It's very funny. And I think it's just to do that so they can try to get away that this is they're filming in New York when it's clearly not New York. However, I digress. Let's get back to the episode. We're almost done. We're almost done. So at the precinct, Crock and Tubbs are talking about Carson and remember, Crocker was going to pull up his jacket, see if he had the zipper on his back for real. Ha 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 ha. So it turns out he is not an alien, but he did 
a semester, a no credit semester at the Nevada Junior College in the same town where Akers and other people had been supposedly abducted. Interesting. Then Spytek tells um, them that Trudy isn't in the office and that Carson is at Dade and that Crock and Tubbs run to the houseboat after seeing the star bulletin board that Trudy and Carson were looking at earlier that has coordinates on it. It's going nuts and it's printing and printing and printing, printing. Someone wants to get this message out there. They race over again. It looks to be like three in the afternoon. Like it looks kind of cloudy. Trudy's on the ground next to the outline of the body of Aker's wife that was found a couple days ago by Gina. You were there, Trudy. She's on the ground looking at stars. And again, Make this a nighttime scene and that actually makes sense. Because what stars is she seeing at this time of day? (laughs) Unless, again, you know, maybe she's seeing with her third eye and she's seeing through the clouds and she's seeing through the sunlight. Chris Rock is hiding. I keep saying his, okay, sorry, Carson, a.k.a. Chris Rock, is hiding in the houseboat. And we have our guy, I'm just going to say glasses, is slinking onto the boat. Now, when Crockett presses him for information, why he's on the boat, what kind of claim he has to it, Glasses is prepared. The court to Astrolife. Why you? It's our property. Lonnie Akers gave it to us as a gift on the day he uh, had his misfortune. Hey, it's all yours, pal. If this guy and the girl upstairs are going with me. Take it easy, pal. I'm just checking you for a zipper. Naturally, he was saying that to Carson as he was hiding. Yeah, okay, so this guy has a freakout and bequeaths Astrolife his home. The same day he dies, a little bit sketchy, but however, Crockett looks over the papers. Everything's in order. He gets Trudy and he gets Carson off the boat. Then the boat dies. Similar to the Testarossa earlier in the episode. So Glasses is trying to get the boat on. Now, as Crockett, Trudy, and Carson are watching from afar, the houseboat blows up. And not just small, huge. Blows all the way up. Then we see Trudy wake up, sweating, frantic. Oh, it was all a dream. Trudy then walks into OCB, seems pretty empty. Maybe she's there early in the morning in this beautiful blue wrap caftan that she's wearing. Sits down, checks her messages, opens her drawer to see an empty jar of peanut butter and a picture of the houseboat inside. She looks up alarmed, freeze frame, end of episode. All Right. And with that, let's wrap up this episode. All right. So do you all want to know the Disney connection that this episode has? This episode was written by Thomas Dish. When I was looking him up um, on Google, his works were popping up underneath. And the first one that popped up was The Brave Little Toaster. I was like, no way. So it turns out he actually did write the novella, The Brave Little Toaster, that was then 
almost acquired by Disney, but end up being acquired by Hyperion, which was like a subsidiary sister company, and then released. This was one of my favorite childhood movies, and it is very dark and very messed up. So I was like, wow, I've never read the novella, and I've just heard about it 30 minutes ago. So I'm really curious to see what caliber of writing it was. This guy, unfortunately, sounds like he had a very sad life towards the end. So it's a little too sad for Vice T, but it sounds like he had an interesting life. A little bit of beef with uh, Philip K. Dick. So if you're into sci-fi, definitely check that out. And if you have read the original novella of The Brave Little Toaster, I would love to hear your thoughts. Because that movie was very instrumental in my job. That I'm watching X-Files at nine years old, and this is why I am the way I am. Now, I also thought it was very funny. I already pointed it out. Lou DeLong and Tom DeLong, Gentlemen that, uh, you know, do you ever play Connections? Uh, it's kind of in the same category as Wordle and the New York Times games. Be like DeLong and DeLong, like Lou and Tom. DeLongs who are initially doubted about aliens. thought that was very funny. Uh, and speaking of Roswell, there was this huge bookstore that was super cool. And they had really cute, kitschy stuff as well. They had, I want to say five. No, no, no. They had a couple of Tom DeLonge's books. Did not buy them. Curious again to see, because again, we all wrote them off at the beginning. And now look who's laughing now. James Brown. Uh, again, a lot of the Vice T's pretty sad a lot of women beating um a lot of domestic violence i do remember the last possible wife i was like half ass reading this wikipedia post like oh i remember this because like 2003 was like peak celebrity gossip where they were married but technically she committed bigamy because she was still married to someone else um and she went on Larry King Live. Like, I remember all that pretty vividly. And um, I kind of lost interest halfway through reading of it, whether or not she got the estate. Ah, maybe I should have uh, paid attention to that. <laughs> but also, yeah, he was so handsome when he was young. And you have to remember that in this stage, like, he was in Rocky Four. Living in America was also written by Dan Hartman. I was like, oh, wow, that is... make the He made those residual checks. And Chris Rock, like... I didn't want to get into the slap because I was like, oh, it just feels so overdone. I love Chris Rock. What can I say? I'm on Team Chris on that one. Moving on, let's get to fashion. fashion. Now, the winner of this episode, hands down, Trudy, 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 Trudy. I think her green dress is her best look along with the purple. She just works those jewel tones really well, but she looked great in everything. The weakest outfit she had was the yellow one that she was wearing at the beginning. That shade of yellow is not working for any of the ladies on Miami Vice. Let me tell you that. 40 years later, guys, just throw that out the window. <laughs> throw that color out the window. Um, Loot along, wearing very tight pants. I was like, is that an outline of his junk? And I was like, ugh. Yeah, it was just not flattering. I, for one, would not want to be filmed in white satin under bright camera lights, so I understand. Then Crockett didn't really bring much this episode style-wise. Tubbs looked handsome, but this episode, all about Trudy. Now, for music, we obviously have James Brown, I Feel Good. And then we also have the other song, 
Paint the Road by Adrian Ballou, which is the one that Trudy couldn't turn off on the radio. Naturally, I'm going to go with I Feel Good by James Brown, of course. <laughs> now, quote of the episode. I have a few options. <laughs> See, I told you you can't trust white people, man. We should have got the money up front. How you gonna trust? Didn't you see the Bay of Pigs? <laughs> Option two. Well, it worked on my phone a little bit, but after all, not everyone. So I remember when I played that clip and I was like, oh, I think I'm understanding more of what he's saying. When I just replayed it again, I don't, I think that all just went out the window. <laughs> this is option three. Does the word undercover mean anything to you? <sighs> now, this was tough because this, I believe, is Nogi's last episode ever. But I have to give it to James Brown or James Boomhauer Brown <laughs> as the quote of the week. Well, it worked on my phone a little bit, but after all, don't everyone? So the don't everyone does stick a little bit more in my brain as I watch that for the millionth time. And with that, we are wrapping up Missing Hours Season 4, Episode 7 of Miami Vice. I hope I could make this palatable enough for you to get through. And I look forward to having fun and let's make fun of Season 4 and 5 together. We can always go back to the heyday but let's just have fun with what's about to transpire. <laughs> and once again, if you want to follow me on all things social, you should. It's going to be at Vice and Easy Podcast. Don't forget to check out the gallery for this episode and every episode within the description notes. And to like, to subscribe, and to leave a positive review wherever you get your podcasts. You can subscribe on all major podcast platforms, including YouTube. Look forward to going over like a hurricane with you. I am very excited. Teenage me is very excited to do this episode. <laughs> and thank you in advance for bearing with me for any delays, setbacks. I hope to have a regular set schedule back soon enough. But for now, I am enjoying this new journey that I am on. So thank you for your support. And as always... Hey man, Miami Wise is number one new show.